0: Okay. Hey guys, so our next guest is Mary Ann Guerra. She is the CEO and president of Aesthetics Biomedical and has an immense and very impressive background um, in in really helping brands come up with FDA clear technology and treatment serums. And um, Ms. Guerra has also had a very impressive career at the NIH and she has held senior level positions such as executive officer um, and also at the National Heart and Lung Heart, Lung, and Blood Institute and Deputy Director of Management and Executive Officer at the National Cancer Institute. So that's, you know, just a little glimpse of her background, but welcome to the show, uh, Marianne. I'm so excited you had the time.
1: Well, it's a pleasure to be here and talking to you and uh, being able to uh, share some information with your uh, your uh, viewers and the, the folks listening to this. So um, thank you very much.
0: Yeah, it's my pleasure. I would love it if you could tell us more about your your career and, um, you know, just dive deeper. Cause I know I just skimmed the surface. Well, thanks for giving me an
1: opportunity to do that because I think, um, my, my career has really fashioned where we are today with the company. Um, and you know, every time you have a job, whether it's a good job or a bad job and experience, it's a good experience or a bad experience. You learn from it. Right. And yeah, you- Take it, and you say, "I'm going to do that again and build on it," or "I'll never do that again, and this is how how I will avoid that." And so, um, I was really lucky when I got started to work with the 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 NIH um, really early on in my career, Um, and. I started with the Cancer Institute, um, and uh, when I was there, um, I worked with the Medical Oncology Branch, and just really got a feel for, you know, treating patients and the importance of science, and you know, the impact on families when they don't um, when their a loved one is faced with these horrible diseases. And yeah. then um, I got a chance to um, I was recruited then to the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases, and that was probably. Um, a really extraordinary time in my career because I worked with uh, Dr. Anthony Fauci um, and Tony at that time was uh, both a lab chief, um, the chief of the laboratory of immune regulation as well as the director of the NIAID. And as most of us know, he still is. uh, he's great. But when I was there, it was um, AIDS. We were just faced with the AIDS dilemma. And what are we going to do about that? And people didn't know about the virus. They didn't know how it was transmitted. And, you know, wow. the panic that is facing us with COVID was the exact same thing. And there were no drugs. And there were, you know, so um, it, it was so interesting to be there but allergy and infectious diseases also is an institute that is developing vaccines for all kinds of things so hepatitis b dengue virus um, uh, chlamydia so when i was there um, i really got into technology transfer because it became really important if you if you have new knowledge which you're doing at nih or nih funded programs and you create this new information but you don't transfer that to pharma companies or to entrepreneurs who create businesses and then create products, then it's a waste of taxpayers' money and, and research, right? So, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I got into this, how do we have those better connections? How do we forge these partnerships with industry to make that happen? And so um, I have to say, while I was at um, NIAID, we forged uh, quite a few relationships with industry, and we got the chlamydia vaccine out, the respiratory Um. virus vaccine out, hepatitis B, all kinds of things. So it was really rewarding to see that, you know, great science, Leads to incredibly important products, and you know, of course, we had major, um, you know, uh, accomplishments in the AIDS field as well. And then, you know, then I I went on to Heart, Lung, and Blood, which was doing amazing things in the cardiovascular area. You know, that was the number one uh, killer in the United uh, United States at that point in time; probably still is. Um, And then went back to the NCI. And um, when I was at NCI, I again, took this tech transfer um, mentality with me. um, And we really uh, started again, forge the relationships that we needed with industry. And once I left NIH, um, you know, I kept that and went and worked with an organization in in Phoenix. That's how I ended up in Phoenix called the Translational Genomics Research Institute. And that was and that's personalized medicine. What we had just mapped the human genome at NIH, right? You know, so yeah. all this genetic information. You and you know, they were getting to the point where everybody could, you know, map their own human genome, their own genome. And so, personalized medicine really came into play. It's like, okay, you know, what's your, what's your genomic uh, profile? How do we get a drug that goes against that profile? You know, how yeah. do we, you know? And and interesting enough, if you have a profile. You know, you'll hear patients say, "Well, this drug worked on this cancer patient, but you know, this drug didn't work on this cancer patient. You know why? Well, they had different genomic profiles. You know, and the, the the exciting thing is, how do you match those? How do you get the right drug with the right profile? And it's a it's a whole new field and I think that's, it leads me to like, you know, where we are now with the company I formed. I, I worked um, with a bunch of startup companies, um, ran a nonprofit, founded a nonprofit called BioXcel, um, And the whole idea was how do we accelerate that transfer of information from universities, um, from research and
0: start companies and yeah Yeah. uh, I love that by the way can I just say like you're the person I've been looking for since I started this podcast (laughs) because uh, what you're addressing is exactly the questions I have had is that how do we get Academia involved with the corporate world, you know what I mean, and it's like, like because there's so much data that's being generated, or there's so much knowledge in just you know that that's out there in the medical community. But it when it comes to, um, just you know consumers and and brands that are coming out that don't have a medical background, it's almost as if it's like they're you know people are living in this age where they think that medical discovery isn't there, but it is. You know what I mean? And so to get that translated over to where it's being applied on a mass, you know, like mass market level. Like that's been always one of my biggest questions. Yeah. You know, it's a, it's a complicated
1: situation, right? Because Um, when we work with startup companies, it's so hard, right? So you, um, if you talk to scientists, every discovery that they have is the next best thing, right? It's going to be, you know, it's what everybody wants. The market wants it, you know, and, you know, and it's actually not that way. It's, you know, it's very few great discoveries that are great science, but there aren't great products. Right. And so first you have to narrow down, you know, what is, what is a great product what is a great discovery but which is a great discovery that's Actually, important in terms of developing a product that's going to benefit society or benefit an industry, etc. So you got to have that vetting process, and that's hard uh, because yeah. a lot of you know the wrong things get funded, and the and the right things don't. Um, you know, and then there's so many risks. So if you're in the biomedical community, you know now you've got this great product, and then you have you you know you look up at your horizon, and you got regulatory obstacles, and you have intellectual property obstacles, and you have all of these things that you know, are could be crushing to a startup company. Um, yeah. but, you know, yeah. the bottom line is I, I think that um, science is really important. You know, and so you know, you have to look at you know what supports these new products. What supports, um, like in the aesthetic industry, you know, what I tried to bring to the company is a more rigorous approach to when we promote something. Let's do. It, it either has to have the science or we need to do more science behind it. Um, yeah. and we need to share that with the public. Um, and so we've tried, um, very hard um, to do more science and then to have that science published, because again, you know, we're living in a world where, you know, there are people questioning whether they should get the COVID vaccine, you know, yeah, yeah, questioning science and, you know, um, it, you, you have to say, okay, question, you know, but, um, when you see data and you see enough data, then you should feel comfortable that that data supports um, what is trying to be done. And I think that, um, you know, that's something we have to move into the aesthetics industry and we have to build back that trust of, you know, um, you know science, here's data, we have to believe data, and then yeah. we have to act on that data.
0: Well, I think it's a very, very interesting uh, that you brought this up because, you know, from my standpoint, I, I you know, I also have a medical background and a research background. And one of the biggest things I think um, that I notice in the skincare industry, for example, is that, you know, people don't, it's like, you can give them numbers and you can tell them that this was found in such and such clinical trial to be effective, but then they have a hard time understanding the overall picture, right? Like, if you know what I mean, like it's like, they don't understand, I think where everything is fitting in. Like, for example, you know, you have something like, hyaluronic acid and you know you have all this data around it all this these publications but for some reason the consumers are still very confused about hyaluronic acid you know there's still questions like well what's the best molecular weight what's you know how does it penetrate all these kind of questions but it's like if you go to the research it's answered already so there is this giant disconnect between you know like consumers and the biomedical industry
1: yeah and i think you know unfortunately you know we're going to competitive world and you have different companies that are competing against each other. And, you know, so you have this war that's out there of saying, you know, this is the information you need to have um, you know, and it, but it's only part of the information. Right. So, you know, you, I, I think sometimes you need independent uh, parties to say, okay, so on the HA question, you look at them and compare and you say, okay, I'm going to, you know, get this data that's out there and I'm going to analyze it and I'm going to compare it. And, I, and what we're going to say is, you know, here are the answers and this is why you know this this product is better because you know when we analyzed it um you know this is what we've discovered um and you know companies aren't going to do that you know against themselves right so somebody else has to be that independent third party that does it or you know um you know and i think that's um when you're advertising, you obviously want to focus on the positive things, right? You know, of ours- course, yeah. Yes, um, and, you know, so that, that's a tough one, because as long as you have companies that are supporting their own products, they're going to, um, you know, promote what science they've learned or what their products does. And, um, you know, probably in most instances, you stay away from, you know, other information that's out there that might not support what their product does. You right. Know? Like, exactly. Or only vegetable. like certain
0: ingredients that are like, you know, beneficial that are in their formulation, you know, they'll, they'll highlight those, but then they'll ignore like all the other ones that everyone's questioning, you know, <laughs> well, yes, and here's
1: an interesting thing, you know, I mean, I, and I'm a business person, not a scientist, but, you know, the, the one thing that my, my colleagues at NIH used to love about me, they said, you're not a scientist, but you ask some darn good questions. And so, you know, we're looking at... Um, you know, you're looking at products, right? And I look at the beauty magazines and, you know, it's great. They have, you know, this, you know, physician or somebody talking about, well, in the morning, you know, I put on these, you know, four products. And then at night I put on these, you know, five products. And, you know, you look at that and I said, you know, well, they're not even the same brands, right? You know, but one's AHA, one's a retinol, one's a vitamin C, you know, blah, 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 whatever they are. And then, you know, I said, well, how do they know that they don't counteract
0: each other? Yes. Thank you so much for saying that. Yes. yes, There's
1: an ingredient in there that doesn't, you know, you know, obviate the good that the other product you just put on did, you know? And so, um, and so more isn't always better. And that is one of the things that we're, you know, at Aesthetics by Medical we're trying to get to is a more simple, Simple approach to things. So, like our product, um, So Me, um, which is So Me Skincare, that's all you. Um, now, this is some new knowledge. We, um, platelet rich plasma, which is well known and is, you know, out there in the market um, in terms of um, its benefit. You know, there's a lot of science behind platelet rich plasma, especially in the orthopedic world about why it benefits you know collagen elastin repair etc um it started to be used in the aesthetics field um but the it was um it would only be stable for four to six hours and then the platelets degranulate well we found a way of stabilizing those platelets so that they stay in their natural state for up to 120 days now when we set up this product it's got 22 ingredients that's it they're all natural right? Wow. There's nothing um, in it that's not, it's, you know, animal, no animal cruelty, all of the, the things that are, you know, trendy right now, but we didn't do it to be trendy. We did it to be simple. Um, yeah. you know, and so, and then, you know, we believe that you don't need anything else. Wash your face, use so me and go to bed, yeah. <laughs> go to work, put your makeup on, um, you know, but but it's really hard to convince people that you don't need to put all the other products on top of it, you know? So it's it's just something that I think, um, you know, we'll continue to try to keep a simple approach. Um, and then we'll hopefully do more studies that show the simple approach works um, yeah. and that, um, you know, We have enough complications in our life. I don't need to figure out 25 skincare products that I have to put on my face daily.
0: Exactly. Thank (laughs) you for saying that once again. Yes, exactly. And you know, I know that minimalism right now is becoming another trend. And you know, I like to see that because it's like at the end of the day. I mean, some of the dermatologists that I've interviewed, a lot of them will tell you, you know, all you really need is a moisturizer. Use Vaseline. You know, like I'm sitting here like wait a minute like i i can't believe that vaseline is all you need and you know it, it's just such a it's so many different like opinions and it's never like in the skincare industry and never like a decisive answer like this is what you should be going for in terms of bettering your skin health so i like that you said that you know it's it's just a quick step and that's all you need because i i, I don't believe in the 25 step ritual either <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, the reason I I mean I say that and, and there are probably people that are listening to this would totally disagree and say, No, you need to do this, but what we approached on this is when you are able to use your own platelets platelet-rich plasma you know you um the the platelets have a number of biomolecules hundreds of biomolecules that are contained in those platelets and when you are able to activate them on your face the biomolecules are able to um, be of a adult weight that will be absorbed into the skin um, you know and it then it's your body doing what it naturally does. Right. So we're not trying to say that, you know, so me is like the be all end all. What we're saying is that, you know, we've created the ability for you to use your platelets to let your body do what your body does really well. Um, And so for me, you know, if you can do that, how, you know, maybe technology can, you know, we'll, you know, find things to, you know, I mean, you do have different skin conditions like, you know, rosacea or, um, acne and, and things that, um, you know, you need to have treated with, with different um, topicals. And that's important. You need to do the research behind it. But I think for your day-to-day skincare, I think if you can keep it simple, keep it natural, you know, yeah. just like with um, other treatments, you know, you know, we have the Vivace, it's RF microneedling, you know, basically it's stimulating, you know, it's, it's using frequency and needles to create purposeful injury so that your body Kicks into gear and repairs it, and that stimulates your
0: collagen and elastin. It. It's natural, right. you know? Right. Um, yeah, it is. And, you know, I think that the, for me, when I think about it, you know, it makes sense. Medically, it all makes sense. But I am just curious for everyone listening out there, you know, I think this is a good point to mention that you know, um, what Ms. Guerra is saying is that, you know, you really as consumers have to do our research because, you know, these kind of everything you've described so far, I mean, there's no reason why anybody in the skincare industry, consumer, you know, sector, why you wouldn't gravitate towards this. You know what I mean? And and it's like, because you can't sell products based on, is it clean beauty or is it, you know, vegan beauty? It can be everything, but still scientifically relevant. And I think that's something that a lot of people are having a hard time grasping right now in this industry, because there's this division, you know, there's this, uh, either you're clean, or you're scientific or medical grade, you know, uh, skincare or, or therapy, or you're, you know, something else. And I just, I don't, I've never understood that, because I think you can definitely combine them all.
1: Well, and I mean, I guess it's, you've got to get away from the trends, you know, just because it's vegan doesn't mean it's good. I mean, yeah. you know, I mean let me say, it doesn't mean it's going to do what you want it to do. Right. It, yeah. you know, so, you know, you, you have to say, and, you know, again, animal cruelty. I mean, I, I you know, I, I just picked up a stray cat and, you know, I mean, I'm so <laughs> like such an animal lover and um. but on the other side of it, you know, how do you advance research sometimes if you don't, do testing
0: in animals, right? I actually asked another panelist this earlier, the same question you just addressed. I said, how can we possibly make improvements and innovations in medicine if you don't let people test on something you know what i mean we can't have everything be in a petri dish you know what i mean petri dishes don't translate into live human skin that's being you know what i mean like you're applying this on and it's going through its own molecular cascade of events like there's a whole you know it's it's a totally different world in vitro and in vivo
1: yes it is i mean and you want to do um, as much as you can you know um, Without going into animals. But then, you know, I, when I used to work at NIH, because we had a uh, PETA that was always out there, because if you did any research, um, you know, in chimpanzees or, you know, in that, you, we had them lined up. And, you know, again, it's this dilemma, you know, if you, if where are you going to test? You're going to test it on humans, um, you know, and what if it doesn't work? And then, you know, you're going to have, unfortunately, then the whole legal system's on you because you've put in a human and it didn't work. And, you know, mm-hmm. so it's, uh, we struggle with a lot of things when you when you look at science and, um, you know, and, and what's the right thing to do. But I think you start out, you know, you try to do as much as you can you know, in in the test tube or in the petri dish, um, you get information and there's a point in time if you need to move it on to, um, you know, other studies, um, you know, in animals, you do it with, um, it, you know, in a humane way, um, yeah. you know, and then you bring it to people. Um, so that's oh, yeah. a people benefit. Um, so, I, I mean, it's not an easy, it's, a, it's not an easy situation, but I think you can do things the right way. You know, I mean, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Aside, but you know, when we were, you know, at NIH, we used to, um, you know, if we did studies, we had this whole thing. We had to look at the labs that we used for any of our animal studies, and I was doing a tour of it, and we were listening to, it. and I found out, realized that like the in, uh, and this probably makes sense because it's animals, but the HVAC system was like eight times better than we had in the hospital, you know, for our patients. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because we were trying so hard to make sure that we we had the right environment and all of that, and uh, right. you know, and, and, and all our chimps had to be in their own individual rooms. And I'm looking at patients, and they're stuffed in two rooms or four. <laughs> <laughs> we have
0: better care for animals. Yeah, yeah I mean, well, we have health care now for animals. You know what I mean? So, like, oh, health insurance. I
1: mean, I tell people, I said, you know, I mean, I wish I had a farm and I could just any stray animal, or you know, whether dog. Had you know, bird, turtle, whatever I'd have in my house. But, you know, I guess everything's a balance. And, you know, and and at at some point in time you have to say, you know, what's the problem, you know, so like COVID. I mean, it's killing the world. So, what do we have to do, you know, um, you know, to solve the problem? And you know, and I, I think that's just use some intelligence and you know um, to bring to science as well as to you know bring to the consumer. Um, but if you can do it without you know um, animal studies, if
0: if you can do it, then that's great. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree with that, and I I'm so glad that you elaborated on that on that whole topic because I think there's definitely a lot more that needs to be learned. You know in, in this area, and I think a lot more understanding needs to go into it. You know, like we all want skin, we, we all want discovery in, in the area of skin health, but it's you know, it's more of a question of how bad do you really want it, you know, and, and how do you want it? Do you want it to be done scientifically and follow the scientific method? Which I still think a lot of people don't understand. That that's really what goes on behind the scenes on the medical side is that there's a very strict protocol in place and there's a lot of approvals, and you know, and I don't think that translates very you know very well to like the layman understanding of you know medical discovery so I think that's something that a lot of people most people including myself I think we need to do a lot more research into that
1: well it's it's a complicated you know it's complicated and you can't expect people to do it. I think what we have to you know make sure is that um there are, you know, like the good to housekeeping, you know, seal of approval or, you know, these these things where there's trusted sources and, you know, these trusted sources, the consumer can rely on, you know, yeah. again, like NIH, it's a, we are so blessed and, you know, to have the NIH here, um, you know, and doing the research that we're doing in so many different areas. I mean, and, um, you know, it, it truly is an amazing organization that supports our country and supports advancements. Um, you know, and they do, they have, a you know, the Institute of, um, let uh, I don't know if they've changed it, but one with skin, you know, um, yeah. they're, they're looking at dermatology and they're looking at that and, you know, um, and they may be looking at it for cancer and skin, but, you know, there's information that's, that they're going to glean that can be applied to, you know, um, you know, our industry, you know, the right. industry, you know, and I mean, so, um, so I, I think we in the United States are really, really blessed um, with the research and, you know, the universities that do the research they do. And, um, you know, I think what we miss is how do we make that connection between trusted sources and the products that are out there on the market? And the, the more we can do for that, the, the better. Um, I agree. I agree at all, but I, at least in my little world of aesthetics biomedical, I will do my best to to do
0: that. <laughs> well, you're definitely doing a lot more than 99% of people. I can say that for sure. You know, so I really hats off to you. I love everything that you've explained and what you're doing. I, you know, one one thing I brought up, and I don't know, um, I would love to get your opinion on this is the idea of you know the skincare industry is a multi billion dollar industry at this point, and you know you have all these brands, and I and I remember I was talking to a founder A while ago, and I brought up the idea that why don't companies contribute to this like fund? you know, that is very much structured like how the NIH distributes, you know, grant money and grant funding where the research is done in trusted laboratories and, and trusted facilities that are going to give an unbiased, you know, report, which is going to be more, I think, in sync with peer-reviewed articles that get published rather than just companies coming out with data, which nobody really knows much about because, you know, they don't disclose any of their their protocols or how they went about it or where the participants came from. You know what I mean? So, like, I've always wondered, that like why there can't be this more collaborative effort where we have a fund and we have the money to do real research that can then be published and then also benefit brands so I would love to hear your opinion on that yeah I I think that's
1: an interesting question so um when I look at like how we spend our research money um you know we have very specific questions like you know um if we're looking at our product compared to nothing or our product in combination with something. And so it gets very specific. And, um, you know, if you had a, a central organization, you know, like other than an NIH, you, um, the questions that are asked are very specific to your product. And so it would, I think it'd be very difficult to manage that, you know, because you'd have all of these commercial enterprises that would want to be asking specific questions about their product. Um, And, and sometimes, um, you know, I used to, again, say at NIH that we should have the, the Um, publication of failed research right I mean you publish everything that works but you don't publish what didn't work right doesn't
0: work yes oh my gosh yes
1: so many times you you learn from what doesn't work right Um, you know if you're in the business world you know if you've just spent a lot of money learning what doesn't work um, you know, sometimes you want to keep that to yourself. So if somebody else has to spend that money, that's, you know, because you know, it's competitive. I mean, unfortunately, you know, you, you know, businesses, you know, you've got investors and they want to make money and they want to do this. And so, you know, it, I, well, I, you know, would love to have an organization you could go to that would do these studies. I think it would be really hard to yes. have that happen. Um, and I think the closest you you can get to a lot of that is by having, you know, institutions like NIH that actually do a lot of research that are, you know, basic, you know, uh, the biology and, you know, of mechanisms of action, why things work. And yeah. you know, that you look at, you know, what are those mechanisms of action, you know, and how do you apply it to your particular industry or your disease problem or your, um, you know, the tr- Therapy that you're trying to create, um, but mm-hmm. I, I like where you're going. But I think it would be really hard to do it just because of the competitive nature of of industry, and you know, information is is really important, and you want to keep it um, good stuff and bad stuff. Sometimes, um, you know, sometimes the best way to protect intellectual you know property is like you know Coca-Cola. You just never patent it. You just keep yeah, Coca-Cola, you know. And so uh, I think industry always faces that you know is. You know, we have to think about great science, and we have to think about great products, but we you also have to think about business because somebody won't invest in you if you're not you know showing you know good bottom lines it's tough I mean I've uh, this has been a whole new world um, when I founded this company and have, have been tried to you know juggle all of these things and regulatory and all of this
0: stuff so. I bet I bet it's a, it's, it's a <laughs> immense task yeah I, I can imagine and you know I really hats off to you because you're you know you're doing a wonderful job and you've taken on something very big so you know I have um, much admiration for your work.
1: So this is why I so said the aesthetic industry, you know, you, you start a new business and you age 10 years to one. So we need to have products.
0: <laughs> <laughs> we need to, you're absolutely right. We need a skincare line dedicated to all of the business professionals out there that are aging because of all, all right. the,
1: you know. or one year, we age 10 years and one, like a dog, seven years to one. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, I love that. I love that analogy. Well, thank you so much, Marianne. This has been such a pleasure speaking with you. And I would love to have you back anytime if you had the the room in your schedule to just cover one topic if you want and just dive deeper.
1: Oh, I, I would love to do that. This has been a joy too, because it's uh, you've touched on so many things that are obviously near and dear to my heart. Um, and I don't get to live and
0: breathe it every day anymore. So thank you very much. It's my pleasure. Um, So that's the end of the recording. But I wanted to ask you because I'm I'm just Promoting myself, I actually am applying next year for match in plastic surgery and dermatology. And I am trying to make as many connections as I can. Um, I've actually done a lot of research. So um, I would love it if you have any advice for me or any contacts I can connect with, um, you know, at all yeah I mean, in terms of um, where you would do um, a residency or where you would do? Yeah, I, I'm applying for a residency, but I also like I'm really interested in you know research in dermatology and and skin health. and uh, you know I, I have done a lot of research in the in the past, but I would love to, you know even a research opportunity or a mentor of some kind,
1: well, you know, I mean, we'd be happy to. Um, I'd have be really happy to have you talk to our uh, chief science officer. He's also uh, helped do a couple startup companies and has been through this whole thing. And he's um, spent time at J and J, and then. Um, oh wow. Yeah, I mean, so was it not J and J? It's um, uh, Procter and Gamble, P and G, um, in Cincinnati. So he came out of. Oh, the- I'm from Cincinnati.
0: I am from Cincinnati, actually.
1: Yeah. Um, I'm a Buckeye too. I'm, a, I'm from, um, I actually graduated from Ohio State. So I'm a huge Buckeye. I grew up in Northeastern Ohio. Um, wow. Yes.
0: Such a small world. Yeah. I went to the <laughs> University of Cincinnati for my bachelor's and my MBA. And I'm I'm a Bearcat all the way, but I love Ohio. I think
1: Larry, <laughs> I think Larry graduated from the University of Cincinnati because that's where he was. Um, from I, I believe so but oh, Larry, wow. his name and I'd love to hook you up with him and you know maybe you can even work with us on some of the things that oh my god are, yes
0: please that, you know. yes please I am down anything you can hop anything I can hop into I'm down seriously I love science it is my passion and any any opportunity I welcome so yes please <laughs>
1: Well, um, do you, you've got my contact or Sheldon can give you or Kaylee, whoever you're talking to, to give you my contact and let's hook up yeah. by email and then I'll, I'll get you set up with Larry to talk to and, and we'll do whatever we can to make any connections.
0: Thank you so much, Marianne. You're amazing. Thank you so much. Well, my pleasure. You know, I, I have to say
1: um, when the our company, when we got started, it, you know, you're, you're small, you don't have much money. And um, we had, um, I, I, be, I believe in the universe, we had Chino Bay on and we were talking about the universe and positive energy and all of that. And uh, yeah. um, we had this young intern walk in, right? He's out of ASU and um, he um, came into my office and we started talking. So, you know, I said, oh sure, well, I'll give you an internship. You know, we'll just try this. And, you yeah. know, ended up, he's our director of R&D now. He's the one who came up with the invention for- wow and he's like 25 years old now, right? I mean, oh my gosh, that's amazing. And Sheldon, our marketing officer is very young too. And he came to me and just dropped in my lap. And I was like, oh my God, this guy's brilliant. Um, And so we have, you know, I really love to see, you know, people that are young and energetic and have potential, maybe not experienced, but have potential. And it hasn't done me wrong. So we've got an amazing young group of
0: incredible. That sounds amazing. I would love it if you could take your, you know, put some trust in me. I would love to work with you. Seriously. It's, it would be so amazing.
1: Well, where are you located now? I'm in New York. So I'm, yep. Well, I will definitely um, hook you up. So I'll talk to Sheldon about it. We'll get hooked up after this and, you know, we'll be in touch because I would love to do it. I love to see energetic young folks uh, getting ahead and doing what they're passionate about. Thank you so much. Can I have your personal email, actually, just to have it? Sorry. You know, I, I use um, the work one all the time because I'm, you know, so just it's Marianne at Biomed. Okay. Okay. Got it. Yeah. Dot com because I end up forgetting to look at the other ones. I know I should be better than that. And that. <laughs> no worries, No, I got it
0: down and I'm going to definitely check up on it.
1: Yeah. Simplicity in life, you know, it is kind right. of like you strive for it wherever you can get it.
0: True minimalism. Yes, there you go. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Marianne. You're amazing. And I am so, so blessed and honored to have met you and to talk to you. Thank you so much.
1: Okay. You take care. Have a good rest of your day.